Stay tuned till after the podcast to find out how you can help support our ministry and also help us further the kingdom of God. In the presence of the Lord, there is freedom. You have to go back into the presence of the Lord. You can't just try to do it on your own and think, and think to yourself, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna, it's not going to work because you're double-minded. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Okay? All right? So when we humble before God, he lifts us back up. Okay? All right. Watch this. Uh, so when we do that, when we humble ourselves before, before the Lord, it gains us access to the throne room of God. Okay? Humility is submitting to God's word in your life. It's faith in action. Uh, that's what I, I wrote something here. Then he will give grace in the time of need. Um, a guilty conscience prevents us from being able to approach God. It prevents us because we're, when we have a guilty conscience, that gives us lack, that gives us unbelief. Okay, and it's hard to go into God's presence when we have unbelief, right? because unbelief is lack of confidence in God. You know what I mean? Check this out: Hebrews four, fourteen through sixteen. Hebrews. Uh huh. It's just one scripture. Well, Hebrews 4. One book over here. Hebrews 4. Alright, we'll read this here. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 413. Uh, 414 through uh, 16. Let us then with confidence, this is so good, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, so listen to this. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is when you get empowered. Okay, so it says right here, let us then with confidence draw near. Why? Because we have the high priest. Jesus himself has made us holy before God. He's declared us clean. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Confidence is not pride. Confidence is humility. When I believe that God has done everything necessary for me to become the righteousness of God, I have submitted myself to Him and His Word in my life. Not what I've done, not my failures, not the people around me, but God Himself has said, I've made you righteous, son. That gives me confidence. Why? Because I submitted, which is humility. I've submitted to God and what He said about me. Not my own opinion. My own opinion is, I'm a wretch. My own opinion is I'm unworthy. I'm nasty and dirty. But God's opinion is he sees Jesus all over me. He sees me for something that I'm not. He speaks light into the dark. So when I, have, when I see myself in his eyes, I'm humbling myself to him. I submit myself to his good word for my life. And I become what he says I am. It's so good. And I can boldly approach the throne room of God with confidence. Draw near. Draw near. Do you know that in the Old Testament, if you drew near, you would die? <laughs> if you didn't have the blood of the lamb on you? And that's the thing. Jesus is our lamb. And now we've become the royal priesthood, it says in, in, in Peter, First Peter. But we're not going to get to that. I'm, I'll talk about that in a minute. Let us hold fast our confession. You cannot let go of your confession. Uh, 2 Corinthians says, I believe, therefore I spoke. You believe, which is humility. Meekness before God. I submit to God's word, therefore I believe God's word. That's so good. Humility and faith are the same. You can't have faith without humility. Faith is saying, I believe God, no matter what I see. 
That's humility. That's getting yourself out of the way. My opinion doesn't matter. I can see somebody, I can see somebody with a no. And my opinion says that's not going to happen. But God's opinion says it is going to happen. True humility steps out in faith and believes God despite your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust the Lord in all your ways and acknowledge Him and lean not in your own understanding and He will make your paths straight. Isaiah 55. For the Lord's ways are higher than my ways, higher than the heavens are His ways than my ways. Why? Because God's mercy is so, 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 so great beyond my understanding. My understanding is, uh, that's not going to happen. But God's understanding is, all things are possible to him who believes. All right, let's keep going. Uh, and grace is the thing you need when you're in need. This is right here. To receive mercy. Mercy means you don't die when you approach God. Okay? And find grace to help. So mercy is actually what allows you to approach God without dying. And grace is what empowers you to overcome after you've made your petition to God. After you've gone to God in in prayer and believing for something, the grace God gives you now allows you to overcome. Overcome strongholds, overcome uh, addictions, overcome, not only that, overcome sickness, overcome the world, overcome poverty, overcome the things of the world, overcome everything of the world. That's what grace is for. Grace is for your time of need. So good. Okay? John chapter 14. Watch this. This is now. Now we've talked we talked about everything Paul has to say about it. Now let's just read Jesus, man. He's our master, man. I love Jesus, man. He's just so cool. And he just says some stuff, man, that the church just doesn't believe. And that's that's what God's called me to do. Preach things the church doesn't want to talk about. That's why the name of my ministry is called Bold Line. <laughs> Uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Alright, so the question is, who is whoever? Anybody. Whoever believes in me, right? Is whoever just the elders of the church? Anybody. 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 Is whoever just the 12 disciples? Anybody. Anybody. If anybody misses that, then they just don't. Yeah, they don't know anything. (laughs) Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater things than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Man, I don't, people miss this, dude. I don't know how to miss it. Why? Watch. Why? Because whoever believes in me, when you believe in Jesus, you become the righteousness of God. Nothing is withheld from you anymore. Only your sin is what withholds you from the good things of God. But because Jesus took my sin away, I'm the righteousness of God. If I believe in Jesus, woo, I'm the righteousness of God. And nothing can be withheld from me. Nothing can be withheld from you. If nothing good from God, nothing of the kingdom of God. All things pertaining to the kingdom of God. First Peter. Okay, I gotta read it. Don't 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 go away from this passage. I'm just gonna read First Peter real quick. And you don't have to go there. Uh, but first Peter, dude, this is so good. This is so good. 
Actually, it's 2 Peter, but I'm going to read it, okay? His divine power has granted to us all things. Verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, that's Jesus, who called us to His own glory and excellence. God has called us to His glory and His excellence. He's given us all things in Christ Jesus. There's absolutely nothing that's not being, that's being held back from you because you're the righteousness of God. You have favor with the Lord. Grace, God's grace is His favor. You are His favorite child. There's nothing He... It's like if your favorite child came to you and asked you for something, you're just going to give it to him. You know what I mean? I, this is beyond our understanding, really. But the reason why is because if I am becoming the righteousness of God every day, then my passions change for His passions. My desires want His desires. All I want is Him and not me. Let's go to Scripture again and get into that. Whatever He has. <laughs> no, since Jesus is in you, the Holy Spirit guides you, you only ask the things that are selfish. That's right. You would only ask things that benefit the kingdom of God. That's why it says right here, all things he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But if you're if you're if your mind saying I'm gonna further the kingdom of God, Father I need a million dollars. <laughs> you know, and a million dollars belongs to the Lord truly, not to you. Not to you. It's not for yourself. You know? I mean I know people right now that serve the that serve God that that in a sense they're like millionaires, you know. But all the money is going into the ministry. All the money is going back to God. So what does God do? Gives them another $52 million that next week. <laughs> you know? Why? Because they're faithful with what God's given them to further His kingdom. I used to have an emergency fund where I had all this money in there. And I said, Lord, this is my emergency fund in case something goes bad. And the Lord's like, why do you have an emergency fund? I'm your portion. I'm your provider. I'm like, okay, I guess. So I said, well, Lord, it's not my emergency fund. It's your fund. What do you want me to spend the money on? And I stopped having an emergency fund. I had the money there, but it was my storehouse because the scripture says, I'll bless your storehouse. Well, you can't, have, you can't have a blessed storehouse if you don't have a storehouse. <laughs> you know, so I had a storehouse, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't for my emergency anymore. I don't have an emergency fund anymore. I just have God's fund, you know. I have money in the bank all the time now, but it's for the glory of God, not for me. You know, I wait and I say, God, where do you want me to spend the money? Where do you want me to put the money, you know? And and he provides, you know? And it's just awesome stuff. But, all right, so his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory. It's so good. All right, we'll keep going over here now. Well, let's, just, let's finish reading that because that was so good. Um, check this out. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them... <coughs> You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God is calling us out of our old life every day. And we're becoming more like him every day in our heart, in our deeds, in the, in the miracles we're going to life, in our actual thinking, in our sin. God's removing that out of our life. He's removing us from the corruption of the world, and we're becoming partakers in the divine nature. That's just wild to think about. You're becoming like God. He says in the scripture he's making us into his own image. It's just, that's just oh, too, so much there. Okay? Alright, we'll keep going. John chapter 14, right? Mm -hmm. well. Truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater 
works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, people in their unbelief will try to change the meaning of that scripture. Let's not water down the scriptures. Let's never water down the scriptures. If Jesus says something, let's just believe it. Greater things than these will he do? I don't even know what that looks like, but I believe it, you know. Because I'm going to the Father. So here's the thing. Jesus never desired for the supernatural signs and wonders and miracles of his day to ever stop when he died and when he left. He said this, you will do them because I'm leaving. So instead of us making an excuse, well, he was the son of God. That's why he did it. If we say that, we don't really, we're not really believers. We're not really disciples of the Lord. He was the son of God, so are you. Yes. Woo. That's so crazy to think. You know, check this out. He says, and greater works than these will he do. So Jesus is saying that. He says, because I'm going to the Father. So all these excuses of, oh, well, the signs and wonders died with the last apostles is completely contradictory to what Jesus just said right there. He said, whoever believes will do the same things I've been doing and greater because I go to the Father. Oh, so Jesus left. All the more reason for us to operate in the supernatural. Because Jesus said so. He's saying, I'm leaving, so you have to. That was the point. He said, I'm leaving, and I'm going to make my home inside you, and you will become Christ to the world. You are now Christians. We are little anointed ones. He is the anointed one. He says, how, he says, how long am I going to be with you to keep showing you this? Pretty yeah. Much? Because he's saying, I'm going to lead. I need you to be able to have confidence in yourself to do it. If Jesus didn't want us to get it, he wouldn't have had 12 disciples. He would have done it all by himself. But he took them along with him in a signs and demonstration saying, this is, this is how you do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is how we do it. Anyway, that's the thing, man. He was, he was trying to show them. Trying to walk the life through them. Saying, hey, this is how we are supposed to be doing this. And he was demonstrating. He never said, oh, y'all, you're going to work in special signs of healing. Oh, you're going to work in special, um, you know, gifts of prophecy. He didn't say that. He said, whoever believes in me will do the same thing I've been doing. What's Jesus been doing? All of the gifts and others, you know, that we may not understand. He says, whoever believes in me will do the same things I've been doing and greater will he do. This, that is just mind-blowing. Okay, now check this out. If you believe in him, you're the righteousness of God, right? And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. All right, so here's the thing. People are like, well, whatever brings God glory, so we'll pray for the sick, and they won't get better, but that'll somehow bring God glory. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said here, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus doesn't get glory in unanswered prayers. Yeah. The Father doesn't get glorified when somebody dies of cancer. The Father gets glorified when the cancer patient gets healed. Because we had faith. It wasn't about whether it was God's will. It's about whether or not we had faith. That's yeah. a hard teaching. Or to teach somebody that had been molested by somebody to forgive the molester. Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say, truly I say to you, if it's God's will, you'll do the same things I've been doing. Well, because when Paul teaches about forgiveness, healing comes in different forms, not just physically, yeah. mentally. Yeah, all kinds. Check this out. God, Jesus did not say, truly, truly, I say to you, if it's God's will, you'll do the same works I've been doing in greater. 
He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the same things I've been doing in greater. It was never a matter of whether it's God's will. Jesus said, I don't say anything that's not God's will. Jesus said, I don't do anything that's not what my Father wants. So when he said that, this is the perfect will of God. So we have got to get back to faith. And we've got to stop getting, for lack of a better term, butt hurt. Because we pray for somebody and they get healed. You know what I mean? We've got to stop getting our panties up in the wad because something didn't happen when we prayed. You know what we got to do? we got to learn like the disciples. we got to go to, the disciples, to Jesus and say, why didn't this happen? And when he looked at them and said, because of your little faith, we can't get offended and leave church now. Yeah. If we're a true disciple of Jesus, we'll listen to the hard stuff and we'll stick with Jesus. But it's easier to get uh, offended and leave. That's right. It's so much easier. Why? Because we're not, re- we're not really, we-, we really don't want to be changed. We really don't want to change. We, wanna, we just want to live our comfortable life in our sin. And then maybe some of us are doing better than that. And we're at least comfortable in church. But that's still sin because Jesus says, the word says, if you're not operating in faith, you can't please God. And it's sin if you do anything outside of faith. So if, if I come to church every Sunday, sit in a pew, and do nothing with my life, and don't go into the place of unknown where it requires faith, I'm not pleasing God. I am just as bad as the man who's in the gang and, uh, you know, selling drugs on the street. You know what I'm saying? I'm just as bad as the rapist. If I sit in a pew and don't operate in faith in my life and go beyond and and further God's kingdom, then I don't operate in faith. And Jesus says in the word that anything done outside of faith is a sin. And and James says, if I broke one law, I broke them all. And 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 James also says, I think it's James, says... That if I know to do right and I don't do it, it's sin for me. So I can be the I can be this great Christian person, hypocrite in church, that sits in church, listens to the sermon, goes home, and lives like the world every day. And that's not what God's called us to do. And and it says the true believers, we learn about this, the true believers, they change every day. They always go into the place of the known. They always are willing to advance even more. It's a hard teaching. It's a real hard teaching. But Jesus does not say, if it's God's will, you'll do these great works. He says, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you, Jesus, for that word. He did not say, if it's God's will, you'll do great. Man, that's so good. I can't say that enough times. I, the Lord gave that to me while I'm sitting here. And I can, this is so good. God did not, Jesus did not say... If it's God's will, you'll do the same things I've been doing. He says, if you believe, whoever believes in me will do. It's a promise. And Jesus is not a liar. The prayer offered up in faith will make the sick man well. It didn't say the prayer offered up and if it's God's will will make the sick man well. <laughs> it says the prayer offered up in faith. So when we read this, and it says, whoever believes in me will do the same things, uh, the works that I do, and greater things will he do. So we can't say... Oh, well, it's not happening. It must not be God's will. Man, that is such a bogus teaching. Look, the question isn't, if, if, if Jesus is not a liar, I believe he's not a liar. And he says, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I've been doing. All right, so we're not doing the same things. So it doesn't mean that he's a liar now. It doesn't mean that it's not God's will. It means that I don't believe. And there's different levels of belief. There's some that have great faith and some that have little faith. So, and then also the Father, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes we have belief, but sometimes we also have unbelief, which is completely a different thing. 
faith, unbelief is not little faith. Unbelief is unbelief. Okay, I can believe. I can really believe, but then I can have unbelief. That's why it says in Romans that he let no distrust cause him to waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So the thing is, he had faith and he had distrust. And he, distrust is whenever you consider the things around you. So he really, he considered things around him. And he had some distrust, but he said he didn't let his distrust cause him to waver. That's why the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. So what did he do? He said, I don't have faith for this, Jesus. I need you to have faith for this. So Jesus didn't say, didn't go over there and say, start condemning them. You know, he just told them the truth because of your little faith. And then he says, let me show you how it's done. He never let their unbelief cause him not to act. Why? Because he had faith. So we're supposed to be the same way. When we go pray for somebody and they don't get healed, while it might be true that they might have unbelief, it's not your job just to say that. Your job is to have faith for them. See what I'm saying? It only takes one person. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, all things are possible for one who believes. See, when he was praying for the epileptic, he was the only one who had faith. All the disciples didn't have faith. The father didn't have faith. Well, he had faith, but he had unbelief. You see what I'm saying? The disciples had faith because seven chapters before that, they were casting out demons, raising the dead, and they were performing many miracles in, in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 17, all of a sudden, they can't cast a demon out of this boy. So they had faith, but they also had unbelief. For some reason, in this scenario, they had unbelief. You know, Peter was walking on the water. He had faith. <laughs> and then he started to sink. And he says, oh, Peter, why did you doubt? I don't know about you, but Peter had some faith, man. He's walking on the water, <laughs> right? He had more faith than anybody in the boat. But Jesus still showed him, why did you sink? Because of your unbelief. Here's what unbelief. Unbelief is the unraveling of faith in our life. Unbelief is when we choose to look at our surroundings instead of the word of God. And we allow that to now our faith to be in our experience rather than the word of God. So anytime we look at grandma who died of cancer and said, well, it must have been God's will. And we built our faith off the experience. The truth is we did not build any faith. We built our unbelief. Oh, that's good. That's a snare. All right, let's keep going. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, right? And greater things than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God always gets glory when prayers are answered, when miracles happen. Whenever the blind man was, was blind and, and the disciples said, um, why, <clears throat> why is he blind? Because of his sin or his father's sin? And he said, neither. But it's for the display of the glory of God in his life. So it wasn't sin that held it back. It was that Jesus was saying, it's time to heal this guy. And God's going to get glory in the healing, not in his blindness. It's so good. All right, check this out. Keep on going. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then it goes on. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's so good. All right, so uh, we're going to go to John chapter 15 now. I am the true vine, and the, and the Father is a vine dresser. <clears throat> every branch in me that does not bear good fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So we become clean, not by our deeds. We become clean by the word of God. <laughs> All right. 
Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If, you do, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We're talking about God's word. Whenever I let the word of God remain in me and I remain in the word of God. So now this is talking about living daily life. Sometimes we can actually get saved, but then we don't live a supernatural life. The reason why is because we abided in the word at one moment and believed for our salvation, but we have not remained and abided in the word every day, believing for God's supernatural life to be displayed in us. You see what I'm saying? So it's not just about a one-time experience. While, yes, we got born again one time, after that, now we have the renewing of our mind and we have the transforming of ourselves. And, and, and now we become this light and every single day we become more like Jesus. It says that we're being made into every day into the likeness of Christ. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to get better and better at this. This isn't supposed to be like, oh, well, I didn't get it. Well, don't beat yourself up just because you're not getting it right now. It's okay. I, I, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. You know what I mean? That's the mentality we should be having. But we shouldn't be so, like, wrapped up in where I wasn't where I was anymore and say, that's good now to stop. You know what I mean? That's not, it's, it's constantly moving. I'm not, what it should be was, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was yesterday. Because today I'm changing. You know what I mean? We can't be looking back 25 years from now. All right. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, why? Because the word of God brings faith. Oh, so good. Ask, and the word of God brings cleanliness. And if I'm clean before God, I get what I ask. <laughs> you know, it's so good. By this, my father is glorified. Watch. Not that his mysterious will be done, that we don't have a clue what's going on. Okay? It's that you bear much fruit and so prove to be. My disciples, keep in mind, this 15 comes right after 14 when he's talking about you doing the same things that he's been doing. So what's the fruit of God when we do what Jesus did? You know, I, I just don't compare myself to anybody else anymore. I just compare myself with Jesus. Jesus raised the dead. I want to raise the dead. You know, Jesus did. He loved the leper and he loved the prostitute. I want to love the prostitute. He forgave unconditionally and loved unconditionally. I want to love unconditionally. He had compassion on the crowds. I want to have compassion on the crowds. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't just an outward, it was the inward. Everything about him, you know? He was anointed in the Holy Spirit. Everywhere he walked, he walked in the Spirit. He never did anything his father didn't tell him to do. I want to walk so close to the Lord that I hear his voice and do what he tells me every single day. I, you know? Every breath I have is because his hands on my lungs. You know what I mean? I fully submitted to him. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Okay, well, where, where are we at here? Um, Matthew chapter 9. All right, so now we're going to get back into forgiveness and sickness um, thing. Matthew chapter 9. Oh, wait, wait. Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Verse 4. Through eight, Matthew chapter nine, verse four through eight says, "But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your thoughts?' Let's go actually before that. Let's go to, um, 
verse 1, 9 verse 1. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came into his own city. Behold, some people brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And then Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your thoughts? All right, so first of all, and now there's another, there's another deal here. Um, they actually said in another, in another gospel story, where are we at? Matthew chapter 9. Uh, here, let's look here. Um, I'm looking. Because there's some parallels. There's a parallel in another, another, another story, another gospel that says that they said only God can forgive sins. They said that in their hearts. And he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which, so that thought process of only God can forgive sins is something about what they said was evil. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Okay, I really wish I could find that the other the other uh, deal right now, but we're right in the middle of this thing. Um, let's just look. Maybe it's Mark chapter five. Let's let's look. Maybe it's in Luke chapter eight. Let's see here. <sighs> So he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Um, I'd already done another teaching on this. This is the reason why I know it. But I've, I've got to, I wish I had the actual, you all have to do your own homework. Your sins are forgiven. For which is easier to say? Okay, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Okay, so obviously they were, thought, they were thinking that there was something wrong about forgiving sins and sickness. Okay, so they didn't get it, you know. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word of them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him before the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic. All right, so over here he says, Why do you think evil in your hearts? All right, so it's good to read both, right? They were thinking evil. Something about their thinking was not pure, okay? And I'm going to show you some cool stuff about how God has given us authority to forgive sin as men. So good. Also, watch this. He says, for which is easier <clears throat> to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man, Jesus being a man and a Son of Man, Watch this. Has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick your bed, and go home. So what he said was, I'm going to prove to you that his sins can also be forgiven by 
raising him out of his sickbed. So the thing is, uh, Psalm 103 says, forget not all the benefits, right? He heals all of our sicknesses and forgives all of our sins. They're one in the same in the Old Testament. They're one in the same. And so Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament law, where he cleansed us from our sickness and cleansed us from our sins. So he was saying, what I'm about to do is going to display what God has done. It's going to display that you can be forgiven and you can be healed. That they're both the same thing. And that it's actually evil in your heart to say, well, only God can forgive sin. Okay? Something about it. Alright, check this out. Uh, what does he say here? Uh, Mark chapter, or Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 9, right? <clears throat> chapter 9, verse 4. Rise up at your bed. And he rose and went, and watch this. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. So God is giving authority to men to forgive sins and to for, and to heal diseases. And before everybody on YouTube and Facebook really wants to stone me, hang on because i got more scriptures to prove to you. Just hang on. Okay? Check this out. Uh, John chapter... Where are we at? Psalm, I already read Psalm 103 to you. Isaiah 53 says um, that he bore our sicknesses and he bore our grief and he bore our sins. Everything that Jesus did on the cross, he took away our sins and our sicknesses, okay? They're all lumped in the same thing, okay? So if I, the question is, you know, when people, people have just so much hard time as believing that we can go heal the sick as they do believe that we can go forgive sins. John chapter 20, verse 23. Here it is. John chapter 20, verse 23. First John? No, just the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 23. <clears throat> That's the key verse, but we're going to read a little before that. When he had said this, so it says right here, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you, verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. Even so, I'm sending you. We now have a commission for Jesus to go do the things that Jesus was sent to do. And he wraps it up by saying, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and, they said, to, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Alright, so everybody thinks the Holy Spirit just comes and acts. And that's not true. Jesus breathed on them. Before he left, he breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. That was their deposit. That's when they got born again in the Spirit. That, that when they got baptized in the Spirit in, the, in, the, in Acts, that was the second experience they had received. In John chapter 20, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. If, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That is some crazy authority. So, how do I know I can go and lay hands on the sick and recover them? Because Jesus also gave me authority to forgive sin. I can go in there with the favor of the Lord on my life, being the righteousness of God, look at a sinner that's not even given their life to Jesus, forgive their sins on behalf of Christ, and heal their diseases, so that they can experience the kindness of God. And the scripture says that kindness of the Lord brings about repentance. They don't have to be saved to receive healing. They just have to have somebody with the authority to forgive sins and heal diseases. And that's you. Anybody who is the righteousness of God. Anyone who believes in Jesus will do the same things he's been doing. 
Alright, so first Peter two. And Stephen was an example of that. Stephen was an example of that uh, in the New Testament in Acts when he was being stoned. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So he forgave their sins. He said, oh, he says, don't let this sin be held to their account. We have that authority, guys. And Stephen wasn't in the room when Jesus breathed on them. So that can defeat the argument that only the disciples, the twelve, could have done it. <clears throat> so good. Man, that, that's so good. All right, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Whoever lacks these... No. That's not what I'm... Yeah, verse 2, verse 9. I was looking at 1, verse 9. But 2, verse 9 says... First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Jesus says, Freely you have been given, freely you should give. So here's the thing, guys. The priests in the Old Testament had the authority to forgive sin. In the New Testament, Jesus now has made us priests. He is the high priest, and we are also a royal priesthood. We are the ministers of the world. And we go out and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Go to Isaiah 61. This is the last thing we're going to read. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Do not go out until you've received the Holy Spirit. For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. It says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. And we become anointed for a royal priesthood. Whenever the, the priest, took this out, guys. The priest required blood, and the priest required oil. The priest in the Old Testament, God would, they would sprinkle them with blood, and that would make them clean before God. Then he would anoint them with oil for sacred use. Now they became God's agents of mercy. Oh. Woo! You are an agent of mercy. When we get born again, we get the blood of Jesus on our heart. But then when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing of God in our lives, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the oil that comes down on the hair and runs into the beard of Aaron. Okay, That anointing right there is what makes us the anointed one. The word Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T, means anointed. Jesus was the anointed one. That's why when he preached in the synagogue, Isaiah 61, he said, Today the scripture is being fulfilled. Well, and it says it's being fulfilled. So we are the Christians. In Christ, we are become the expressed image of Christ. We become Christ to the world. It says we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the members of his body. So we are now the ones who have been anointed. So this passage applies to you. 
Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of God, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vineyards. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations. In their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame there shall be double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. That's the birthright of the firstborn. That means you get twice as many as your brothers. Okay? They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. He's talking about how the devil has stolen everything and now he'll have to repay. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels for as the earth brings forth its spouse and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations this is all about us we've been called to his righteousness we've been called to be his bride we've been called to be his beauty we've been called to be his one that has answered prayers we are called to change the world for Jesus. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. We're called to set captives free. We're called to pray for the sick and that they recover. We're called to do signs and wonders. We're called to do everything that Jesus did. We're called to believe Christ despite our own experiences, despite everybody else's experiences around us, despite our failures, despite our past, despite what all of our friends say about us. We're supposed to believe and walk in humility to God and submit ourselves to Him and Him alone and no one else and find our identity in Him and let Him raise us up as we humble ourselves before him he exalts us before him and brings us up and sits us with god in heavenly places so that we can rule and reign in this earth with authority and power to set captives free and to stop the devil for a living it's awesome so in the name of jesus i just bless everybody listening to this message in jesus name go out there and change the world Hey guys, this is James Whetstone here. Thank you again so much for all your help, all your support. If you have not done it yet, click that like button, click that subscribe button, and stay tuned every single week for a brand new teachings from Bold as a Lion Ministries. If you our website, go to it, go to B-A-L-M-Z-S.com if you haven't already. We got all of our teachings, all of our events, all of our ministries, ways to give, ways to help other people. Oh, there's just so much that you can do. There's so much here that you can do. So help us out. Help us help the world. Follow us 
on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. You can do that by searching Bold as a Lion Ministries. If you can't find us on Twitter by doing that, then go ahead and search Daily Balm. That's B-A-L-M. It stands for Bold as a Lion Ministries or a soothing ointment, whichever you'd prefer. So do that. Also, we got a lot of things coming. Consider becoming a monthly sponsor or giving a one-time donation to help us make this bigger, help us make this better. We want to reach as many people as we can for the gospel, but we can't do that without tools, and money is a tool. We believe in putting God's people's money to work. So if you want to be part of that work, go to the website, click that Give tab, and there's all of our ministry outlets that you can choose from, whatever you want to support, whether it be drug recovery, whether it be missions, or whether it be videos like this. So don't be a stranger. Just click it. Just click it. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. Bye-bye.